Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending ten minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading, and what they recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today I'm spending ten minutes or so with Australian debut novelist and former Starship Sofa fiction editor and audio producer Jeremy Zahl, who joins me from somewhere in Sydney. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. You know, chugging along with, uh, with all this going on. You know, just trying to make the best of it, uh, you know, pondering down. It is a bit like that. I mean, we're a bit more fortunate than the rest of the world in many ways, but it's still pretty strange. Yeah, I mean, I was walking my dog this morning and all the, I live next to a cafe hotspot with a cinema and instead of all those usual shops that said, we're only doing takeaway and now saying, you know, from today, from yesterday, we can have up to 10 customers and, you know, there's, you know, seating still back and there are people in cafes and, you know, there are, there's toilet paper in the supermarket. <laughs> so nature, nature is healing. Nature is healing. <laughs> so tell me, I'm like, how, how are you coping with it all? Are you finding that you can work and read and write and do all those kind of things? Yeah. I mean, I don't exactly have a choice because, you know, from recording today, my debut comes out in 19 days and my book, the deadline for book two is in about a month and a half. And the book as it is almost, is almost at a hundred, is almost at 200 K. And I agreed to do a, yeah, so, and it's, we agreed that there was going to be 180 K. So I've got to go back with an ax, but fortunately I know how to do it and it is, (laughs) but it is working well. And, but as we were saying before, um, I got laid off from work and so I've been at home writing five days a week, writing it. And I'm grateful that that period of time is actually editing because if I was writing a first draft five days a week, I'd go mental and I've, 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 I've struggled to do that on a good day with, on a good week with three days a week. Uh, but now that I'm doing, you know, five days a week, basically writing full time, editing full time, it's going very well. And yeah, it's, it's chugging along and I'm getting plenty of reading and writing done. But, you know, as I said, I don't really have a choice because, uh, my, you know, Jillian, my Ed Redfern pretty well, and she'll probably end up chopping down the door with an ax if I <laughs> deliver a draft on time. Given who she's related to, she's got plenty of experience chopping. She would have plenty of experience chopping down doors with axes. So, oh, only like so many that. times you can watch Tiger King, uh, <laughs> again and again. I, I admire that show so much because never in a million years could I sell something like that to publishers. It's like a plot from Fargo, that whole show. <laughs> it is a tiger wreck. A train wreck. It is great, but yeah, I am getting I am getting plenty of work done. Yeah. Okay. Well, ask. Let me ask you then, because it's what we're here to do: talk about books. What are you reading at the moment, and is it any good? Yeah. Um. I started. I just wrapped up Lies of Locke Lamore actually, and I'd never read it. Um. I started getting into publishing when I was seventeen, eighteen, and I just come off finishing uh, Song of Ice and Fire. And I was looking for something new to read, and I went to Lies of Locke and Law because it was a, the big fantasy that everyone was reading next to, you know, the Mistborns and, you know, what have you. And I tried it, and I just couldn't get into it. Uh, it just bounced off, you know, being like all teenagers at the time. I had the attention span of a uh, cocaine adult fruit fly with ADHD. So I had no – I just couldn't sit, make myself sit down and read it if I wasn't grabbing me. It was the same with Ian and Banks. I tried to read Consider Feeblest when I was 18 and it just didn't grab me. But I tried a couple of years later with Banks and he's one of my favorite authors and an inspiration in everything I do. And I decided to give Liza Lachlan more another crack and it is near perfect. It is like almost perfect, that book, as perfect as a book can be. And I immediately bought the sequels. So, so, so. tell me, what, what is it that you liked about uh, uh, Scott's book so much? Because it's it's 
For me, it comes down to voice. You know, yeah. everything's about voice. You know, as as most writers would say, and he's got such a fluid understanding of his world and such a grasp of his tone and his prose. You know, like I usually, I re- usually really don't like books that aren't character driven. I usually don't like books that have purple prose. I usually don't have books that are fluffy and uh, winding and long and descriptive and those book that book is all those things and yet it is great because he knows exactly what he's doing and he nails it you know like every character is basically played by jeffrey rush from pirates of the caribbean (laughs) times 10 and it's it's like it's like it's got a shakespearean that book set in venice and i love and i love it you know he nails he nails it and are you are you reading anything else at the moment or is it all got a shakespeare no, no, it's not, not all got a Shakespeare. Um, now that I'm going through edits for book two, I'm trying to get back into the mind frame of what I try to, well, the sort of book I'm trying to, uh, deliver, you know, and I've, I've, a lot of writers are split on this, you know, even on your own podcast, you know, some pe- writers are like, you know, I don't, when I'm editing or writing a first draft, I, I try to, you know, block out any other influences so I don't read or write, you know, but I'm kind of the opposite. I kind of need to have that in that source of nourishment for me. Like at the end of the day, like I've, I've got to consume something to refill the tank just a little bit. So I've been deliberately reading things that I think kind of inspire my own work or things I would like to, you know, be inspired by. So I've been just about to reread uh, golden sun by Pierce Brown and the, in the red rising series. And that series is probably my favorite series of all time. And, uh, you know, I really love the character driven, you know, uh, character-driven, emotional-driven nature of it that's combined with a broader universe, you know, that's very exuberant, at the same time very dark, very, you know, a lot of terrible things happening, but it never wallows, goes down to self-pitying wallowing. Like, it's, it's not grimdark in that sense, although it could be because all the characters have such a good relationship and there's this ethos to do right by the people that matter to you and to always fight not for, you know, revolution or change or you know to tear down the people from the thrones it's you're fighting because you want to do right by people you love and to better yourself and that's something i think is you know incredibly powerful when you've got these big big science fiction ideas to really center it in on character and what's in this one man's heart and so i've been reading a bit of that okay excellent Um, yeah um i also just finished chasm city by al reynolds Yep. And that's another one of those, uh, he's another one of those authors that I knew I should read when I was younger, but I just never got around to, but now I'm going through and I love how his books are basically Gotham, Gotham, sorry, Gothic Victorian in space. Yep. I think I've ever read anything like that, but I love that aesthetic of, you know, these spaceships that are basically cathedrals. You're like, those things should completely clash up against each other but they don't because he knows exactly what he's doing and it works and so i really like that idea of technology that's become so ubiquitous that it's it's got an aesthetic to it you know people yeah. aren't wearing you know spacesuits you know like these spacesuits can look like be like people on spaceships can be wearing kimonos and you know modify the bodies to you know endure uh reefer sleep you know, that's something that's really interesting to me. And so I've been trying to feed a bit, feed into that. And of course, you know, going back to Banks, because no one quite does space opera like Banks. Excellent. And then let me, let me ask you, I mean, obviously you're a lifetime reader. Most of the people who are listening to this are. Are there books that you would recommend or 
types of things you'd recommend people seek out right now as they look to escape the world around them a little bit or improve themselves or do whatever they want to do during this time stuck at home? Yeah, um, a man of mine just released a book. I think it's out this week called Kingdom of Liars uh, by Nick Martellus from Galantz. And that's really interesting because it has a main character that is, you know, he was written to be deliberately annoying. You know, he's an 18-year-old boy. He's got no social awareness whatsoever. He's got no, you know, uh, doesn't know how to conduct himself in public. But yet at the same time, he's still very compelling. And that was not that was a deliberate choice. And so I found that to be very interesting. And as I went on more and more through the world, I became more and more drawn into his story. And I've, I've he did something really interesting with that book that it's kind of like a memento-esque magic system where using magic takes away your memories. And so what you're told through the first person character and what other people tell you is as a result of their memories. So if someone's telling you, you know, I, I'm a magic user. They could be, they have no idea because magic could have taken their memories away. And so it's kind of like a almost commentary on the nature of storytelling in a way. And so I found that to be really, really interesting. Um, that's a great, great book, and I can't wait for the second one. Um, I'm also, yeah, listening to uh, the re- – listening to actually um, – what's it called? Yeah, the A Little Hatred by the great Lord Grimdark, of course, because Stephen Pacey is you know, a phenomenal voice actor, and I could listen to him reading Glockta all day, every day. And so, yeah, I've been listening to that. I read it in print before it came out, uh, Perks of Sharing an Editor with him. But, um, yeah, I've been listening to it again, and it's it's brilliant stuff. Excellent, excellent. And then I guess the other thing I would ask you, and I kind of know the answer to this question, but so what do you have coming out in the world? I, I realize that you have a, your first novel, which must be pretty exciting, coming out in, in days. Yeah, in 19 days, uh, Stormblood comes out, drops from Galance on June 4, and uh, I was supposed to do a few events and that sort of thing, and that's not quite been happening. No, uh, no. no. But the thing is that I actually, uh, Kinney Kinnear, the big bookstore in Australia, uh, actually did ask me to come in and do a social distancing signing. Excellent. Whatever that is. So hey, look. Yeah. You take what you can get. You take what you can get. Absolutely. You know, now, tell us about, I mean, tell us about the book. What's it called? What's the elevator pitch? I mean, give people an idea of what it is they'd be encountering. Yeah. Uh, so basically it's about the uh, DNA of extinct aliens that uses a drug and it makes people addicted to adrenaline and aggression. And so, you know, it's a big sp- expansive space opera universe and this one civilization discovered it. The other, uh, this other civilization went to war with them. And so, you know, they said, you know what, let's shoot up our soldiers at this alien DNA. What could possibly go wrong? These guys are going to be addicted to killing. You know, I, I literally addicted to their own bodies running at the enemy. What could possibly go wrong? And everything went wrong because they won the war, but uh, they or every single one of these soldiers came home literally with this alien DNA fused to their nervous system. And, yeah, and so the main character comes home from the war, traumatizes all hell, and the only reason he survived was because he leaned on his fellow soldiers you know, he bonded with them because you know, that was the in the face of this terrible darkness. That was the only way to survive. And uh, so, I'm a very character-driven writer in that sense. That you know, it's it was basically about how these people leaned on each other, how they were able to, you know, that I guess that friendship of knowing that you know 
you're sitting there with this alien DNA sniffing up your backbone into your spine, into your brain. And, you know, you're getting excited because you've got this enemy gunfire charging at you. And you've, you're actually like, you can feel yourself salivating because you can see a kill squad coming to murder you. And, you know, what that does to your, what that does to your brain and how it affects your view of other people. And so that's the bonded over that. Anyway, that's, that's the backstory. So the main character comes back from the war and his brother doesn't want to borrow him because his, He'd left the war to go off and fight. Sorry, he'd left his brother to go off and fight this war and left his brother with their abusive father. And anyway, his brother doesn't want to borrow him. So he comes back from the war angry, you know, and struggling, you know, basically going up against crime lords and turning to smuggling because, you know, he's got to feed the alien DNA in him. And so then he gets pulled back by the people who sent, injected the stuff into him in the first place. And he says, I don't want to borrow you. What the hell's do you want with me? They say someone's killing your fellow soldiers and they show him his former squad mates slowly being murdered. And he gets really riled up and angry, you know, because yeah. of the yeah. alien DNA. He's like, okay, who's doing this? Who's killing them? Yeah. And say, it's your, it's your brother. That's the prime suspect. Yeah. And this is Stormblood, right? Stormblood. Yeah. So it's basically a murder mystery set in space. And yeah, it's in first person. It's all mo- very voice driven, very character driven. And yeah, it's coming out on June 4th. Excellent. And you're hard at work on the sequel, which hopefully will be out around the same time next year, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a lot more space opera. Like, I know the pitch I made, it's, it sounds like very military sci-fi, but it is very much a space opera in the vein of uh, Al Reynolds and Banks and Richard Morgan. So Excellent. Well, with that, thank you very much for making time to talk, talk to us today. And a, good Jonathan, luck with Stormblood so. and uh, hope to see you somewhere down the road. You too.